in Seattle. Seattle. You need to buy yourself a home. We'll be right there for you. Because we're the realtors that you can trust. So go to ridingdancedown.com. Don't go anywhere unless you want to. It's the Ron and Don Show, starring Ron and Don, and sometimes me, at ronanddon.com. Hey, you guys, what's going on? Welcome to episode 588 now, the Ron and Don Show, and we are once again live from the Les Schwab studio. What is up, Ron and Don Nation? Hey, coming up on the Ron and Don Show, does your dog like to lick you? Charlie's here. He really likes to lick me. He likes to lick me at night. I don't like being licked by him. And then I read this story about why I should like it. And now I really don't like being uh, licked by Charlie. Love my dog. I don't like being licked by dogs. Do you let your dog lick you? You probably should, and we'll tell you why. And we're going to find out why I am a horrible uh, human being. Also, uh, New Science of Aging says, uh, yeah, this is when you're going to hit your peak. And this is also when you're going to hit your valley. Before we get to that, though, let's get to this, because Ron is very excited. 1976. The Seattle Seahawks come to the great specific Northwest. And we all remember what everyone thinks are those god-awful Steve Largent jerseys, right? And Jim Zorn jerseys. And Kenny Easley jerseys. And I've always wondered, I said, when are they going to bring those jerseys back? Because in the NFL, uh, you can bring back, I think you can bring back a new uniform each and every year. Uh... The reason why the Seattle Seahawks didn't establish those throwback jerseys right away is because they're kind of a newer franchise, and maybe they didn't think it was enough of a a throwback. For some reason, they decided this year, let's throw it back. What I didn't see, though, and maybe you saw it, Ron, is the iconic helmet. And they say one of the issues that they have with helmets, uh, and I don't know how the University of Oregon does this, do they retake? Because they, they, when players go out, I, I don't think during the course of the year that they wear the same uniform ever, right? And they have hundreds and hundreds of different combinations because of Phil Knight and Nike and their association with him. And I don't know if they have different, because they have eight different helmet schemes at the University of Oregon. I don't know if they have eight different helmets or if they just tape those helmets, which is a lot of work to tape and retape those helmets. If you've ever played football before, you know that having a helmet and having a mouthpiece and having the same helmet all year and going to two days and mouthpieces and all it just it's comfortable like wearing your favorite pair and set of shoes and one of the things that the NFL has been concerned about is giving players different helmets for different uniform combinations because we're so concerned now about head trauma and CTE so Did you see the helmets for the Seattle Seahawks? Are they going to wear their current helmet with the old throwback jersey from 76? I sure hope not. Or I didn't see the helmet, I think what they do know now is they have a couple different helmet technologies where you can keep the padding and change the shell. Is that right? And so I believe that's true. The other one that is big that I I know that uh, Russell Wilson was a part of was almost more of an inflatable 
uh, padding in there. So you put your head, you put the helmet on, and then someone from the outside inflates, sticks a inflation device into several ports and gets it to exactly where you want it. That style of helmet doesn't have the break-in issues that you're talking about because it just conforms to your head after it's inflated. So I think that there's ways to do what you're talking about is keep the gear that someone's comfortable with change out the shell without having to repaint every single helmet this throwback jersey i'm really excited about the because when it first was around the seahawks were in a different conference i grew up a denver bronco fan from you know birth we had season tickets so at the time we were in the same division so you always play the broncos would play the seahawks they would play the raiders and they would play kansas city that was the division that i grew up with and so seahawk week was always you got that twice a year. It was kind of a big rivalry. Carl Mecklenburg and the Orange Crush. And, and usually the Broncos came out on top. And the Three Amigos with John Elway. In, in the 80s. Like we yeah. were, when the Elway era, we, we, we kind of liked playing the Seahawks because that was, you sort of would have two, two wins on the board yeah. uh, during that thing. Then, of course, we switched conferences, then moved from the uh, AFC to the NFC, and now we're in a different division. So it really helped me to have two teams. I cannot vote for the Broncos with Wilson at the helm, though. I just can't bring myself to do it um but these throwback uniforms i think the way they did is you had a home and an away jersey then you had a flex uniform for this thursday night fiasco the ours they chose that that fluorescent combination which grew on me i I grew to i don't like the fluorescent tops and bottoms together but the fluorescent tops with the different pants i thought was a a cool look yeah because they look like dot workers to me when they when When they do the top and the bottom that was they did that monochromatic one that was that was awful but the just on the top I, i think you can do a cool look with that with maybe the blue pants i thought that was a decent look and so now and they used to have one flex jersey if you remember like the green bay packers for a while had a black jersey that was like hey this or it might have been very dark blue it's like this was our uniform in 1930 or whatever it was part of it is to sell more gear pittsburgh has a crazy pittsburgh has some crazy ones so this one i'm excited there was a rule about it in other words what i'm saying you couldn't be the university of oregon and go we're gonna have nine uniforms you had there they were capped at the number of uniforms and so they just opened it up and the seahawks put out photographs of dk metcalf who by the way he, he, he his body looks like a greek statue he claims that he eats in the morning as a cup of coffee he has one big meal a day and he eats two bags of candy that's what he claims his diet is are you buying that with his physique yeah like his physique is off the charts crazy. Yeah, and we'll, we'll and that if he continues to do that, then his physique will not be that when he's fifty. It'll be very very different. It, it, it that will all change. Is he just a genetic freak? For now, but but at, but at some point in time, the chickens do come home to roost on that. And I've seen a lot of guys do that, and gals do that, and athletes do that. And you get down the road, uh, and you continue with those kind of eating habits. Uh, yeah, I was surprised by that. Two bags of candy, one giant meal, and a cup of coffee, yeah. and to have that body. Uh, but so he he was one of the models. Uh, you know, in this new throwback jersey. I think the fans are going to love it. I hope that they, I'm trying to think of how they're going to introduce this at a home game, who they're going to have oh, to yeah. do the raise the flag. Sure. It's probably going to be Jim Zorn, probably going to be 
I don't know. Is there a bigger player than Jim Zorn from that original squad, the original uniform? Yeah, yeah. Steve Largent, Jim Steve Zorn. Largent. So Jim th- Zorn. those two yeah. guys bring sure. them back together sure. uh, to raise that flag for the first time we see this uniform. Yeah. It had the, you have to have the helmet with the more squared off Seahawk logo. Uh, some franchises like the Broncos have never done their throwback. Because as soon as they changed their uniform, they won two world championships. And oh. so in their mind, they haven't brought back that D with the horse with in it. With the horse in it. Yeah, which I wish they would. I That's a great that. uniform. Yeah. But we haven't seen that. Tampa, Tampa's throwing it back. Oh, do the creamsicles? They're, the they're, creamsicle uniforms are classic with the, the pirate with the knife in his mouth. The difference is, though, is all these uniforms that are form-fitted now, and they're, they're, it's a better version yeah. of what those what Absolutely. those jerseys and what those uniforms were when you, when, when you go back to the 70s. I, and they, they came into the league at the same time that Seahawks came into I the league. I wish that the Titans would do a throwback to, remember, the, the – uh, the Earl Campbell Oilers, Oiler jerseys, yeah, baby blue with the oil rig on the shoulder pad. <laughs> there was an oil rig on the shoulder pad, an yeah. oil pump. Yeah, like that was a cool unit. And the Patriots have a, have a really cool. Throw, I don't like the Patriot com- one. You don't the like Patriot the with snapping. Yeah. I don't like that one at all. Well, that was, you, don't, you don't like the Patriots. That, well, that was I never liked that uniform back in yeah. the day. Here's the question: What do you do though if you bring these? This is what's going to suck. Do you bring? And uh, this is a serious question. Do you bring the jersey out on a game that you might lose where it's a Christmas Eve game, you're going up against the San Francisco 49ers for the second time, you haven't brought that jersey out, it's a night game, and you're going to go, you know what, we're going to go put that uniform on and go play the Niners, and let's say you suck, and let's say you you lose on that jersey two times in a row. Do we ever see that jersey again? Or do you find a game where you're like, yeah, you know what? Rams are a little down on their luck. Uh, it's a one o'clock afternoon game. We're going to go kick the crap out of them. It's a guaranteed win. Uh, let, let, let's wear it for the Rams game. What, 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 what do you do with that jersey? I don't think that Pete Carroll is Jim Mora. Jim Mora was superstitious. He freaked out when they lost in those green uniforms and <laughs> never wanted to wear them again. I, I think that, that Pete Carroll's fun. I think he's going to embrace this. I don't think it matters. Within the Pete Carroll era. And Jim Mora, yeah. Jim Mora would have to sit down and they would craft which game it was on. I don't think it matters because the fans are going to be jacked up. All right. Before we go, they're going to sell a lot of units. Before we kill this segment, why are you wearing that hat today? You know what? I saw it's a Toronto Blue Jays hat. And you know they're in town. Are they in town? This I didn't weekend. even know that. Yes. I uh, I saw... It's it's one of those games. It's like going to, to a Boston game. When you go to a Boston game or a Yankee game, there's usually more Yankee fans or Boston fans than there are Mariner fans. When the Blue Jays come, it, it is hard to find a Mariner fan because they buy up all the tickets, take up all the hotel rooms. That's just a they, coincidence. They bring all of Toronto... And here they are going in this series, and you, you're flying their colors. I can't believe it. I, that's just a coincidence. At the beginning of the year, I think it was Pedro Guerrero's son I saw in the hat. This was like six months ago. I was like, that's a good-looking hat. And so I just went out and bought the hat because I liked the look of the hat. Yeah. Uh, I had no idea that they were playing this weekend. And I want to get the old Montreal Expos hat. That's a good-looking hat, too. Yeah. Only in... Seattle, do you have Julio Rodriguez, who in the home run derby hits more home runs than anybody's ever hit, 41 of them. And then he just runs out of gas, so he can't win the derby. 
Uh, last year, he comes in second. Same thing, ran out of gas. And now, I think it's been a month and a half since he's actually hit a home run in a baseball game. It screws up your swing. <laughs> that's, that's a proven fact. I guess so. The home run derby screws up your swing. Yeah, because you're, you're practicing for it all the time, but the pitching, pitching is... Pitching is like 60 miles an hour. Yeah. And how about... Did you see the catcher the other day in the major leagues that struck out three guys? He's back east somewhere. I forget the team. It, it, and, and they were losing 10 to 3 and they didn't want to try it out another pitcher so they brought the catcher out he was throwing 39 mile an hour fastballs love he struck it. everyone out love it <laughs> we will see you on the other side you guys what's going on happy summer Ron and Don here for Les Schwab it is the summer driving season and they have a huge sale coming up they have this every summer but they're doing something I haven't seen them do ever this is pretty cool if you want to drive into a Les Schwab and boom, immediately put $200 in your pocket. How yeah, you right doing? now on the summer sale, you get a prepaid MasterCard valued at up to $200 when you purchase a set of four qualifying tires. You can save an additional $50 when you purchase the tires with your Les Schwab account. Sale ends on July 8th. All right, so Les Schwab, schedule that appointment right now at leschwab.com or when you see one of the 84 locations, you can just drive in and, and take a look at that time. You can stop by any location. Tell them Ron and Don sent you. That's $200 with four select tires. Les Schwab, they've been doing the right thing since 1952. All right, listen up, Everett in Woodby Island and our friends over on Bainbridge and, of course, down in the South Sound and over to Wenatchee. What's right up, on, University Place? Yeah, and right on the east side. And, of course, all our freaky friends in Fremont. You know why I name all these places? Because Ron and Don have the biggest social media following and the biggest podcast of any realtor in the state of Washington and probably in the Pacific Northwest and probably in the country. As a result of that, Everybody in the Ron and Don Nation, well, they're choosing Ron and Don to sell, buy, and invest in real estate. And why do you do that? It's because you trust us with a capital T, and we have a connection from all our years of doing Trustor Radio. But Ron, at the end of the day, we still have to step in, do a great job, be phenomenal, and win the deal, right? Yeah, it all starts with a Ron and Don sit-down. It's a 30 to 45-minute Zoom call, free of charge, no obligation. We'll meet you, see if we make a good team. Email me directly, ron at ronanddon.com, or you can set it up on the website, ronanddonsitdown.com. All right, you guys, welcome back uh, to the Ron and Don Show. It's interesting when my son's here, because uh, he's not always here. He's here a lot. And and when he's not here, then I'm here with our dog, Charlie. And Charlie's going to be five years old in October, which is really crazy to me. Uh, and we got him a few Christmases ago. Well, almost a half decade ago now. And, and Anyway, uh, we worked a lot with Charlie early on. Uh, Ron, you introduced me to your friend Charles. He is hunting dogs. He turned me on some books, some things we could do. And and so we really tried to work hard to make sure that he was going to be a good dog. And just Back- by the way, you, this is a rad dog. Who? Like your your dog is a great dog. Like I have thought about getting a dog, and it's like if I got a dog and it was worse than Don's dog, I would be pissed. Yeah, I, I, I can't. He's a really great dog. Yeah, and I appreciate that. And 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 I think the reason he's a great dog and everybody has a good experience with him, like people just think I'm going to go out and and I've had two different friends go out and get a doodle like him. And the dogs have all because they 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 have energy for five years. They just they just do. 
And you have to know how to channel that energy, what to do with that energy. We do lots of walks and talks and runs and stuff. And whenever I'm out, you see him a lot. He's in the truck with me. He's, he's a family member. He's, 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 he's part of the family. But the th- things that dogs don't have that we have is they don't have, they don't have frontal lobes. And because they don't have frontal lobes, which is the braking system of your mind, you have to create boundaries for them. And, they, and, and dogs do really well when they have boundaries. Uh, sometimes if somebody takes care of Charlie, though, and I always tell him, you're not doing him any favors if you feed him human food while you're eating from the table. You're not doing him any favors if you let him out, up on the couch. You're not doing him any favors if you let him up on a bed that he's not supposed to be on. You might think it's cute and funny, uh, but it's not going to be cute and great for him, right? So, Oh, so, he lo- I've had him up on my bed. What's when that? I've, when I've dog sat him. He's been up on my bed and he loves it. Yeah. Well, he's on your bed. The thing is, he's not on my bed, right? When he comes here, we have, we have a pecking order and I have to make sure that when my son comes home, that we reestablish the pecking order. So then we pivot and instead of walking Charlie or running with Charlie, my son does that. My son feeds him. My son bathes him, gets him water, feeds him treats. Uh, we all sit down at dinner every night and he has dinner with us and he makes sure that he's providing that because early on when he always thought he was second and my boy was third. Sometimes it would turn into a real mess. And then we'd have some accidents and some things around the house. He would start jumping up on the couch, sleeping up there and playing king of the household. So nonetheless, we go, when we go to bed at night, my son likes to say prayers. So I go in there and we hold hands and Charlie's very cute because he, he'll see us joining hands and he'll come in and kind of jump in. And, and so we'll hold his paw. We'll nice. say our prayers. And while we're doing that, he starts licking my hand. I hate it when he licks my hand. I don't like him when he, if I go on a run and I come back and I'll look down and somebody be licking my leg and it's Charlie. He's licking, cause he, cause he loves that salt. And then, and then I also read that dogs, when they're, when they are sharing affection with you or sometimes when they're nervous, they'll lick you. And then the other thing that they want to do when they jump up on you and present their paws, it's their way of saying hello. So I had to figure out a way to let Charlie jump up. And if you notice, when you come over, I'll let him jump up on you. And all you have to do is say down or off, and he's down and off, and it's over. Well, but, what do but, I do, but, though, but when I I'll, see him? I'll, I'll, you turn your back. I'll let him. I, I just tell people, hey, he's going to come over and say hi to you. And when you're done with him, just tell him off, and he'll get off. Uh, but it, it's really become kind of a nice thing with him. I'll, I'll Like if I do this. He'll he'll jump up, present his paws, and then we can hug it out, and we'll, so did we'll this, have a big fluff did this festival article and all that. Uh, uh, convince you that you should embrace him licking you? At I night? tried to let him lick me the other night. I just hated it. Like I just didn't like it. But and, you're, and it was he's, he's sending was, you a signal. It was hard to pray and, and really he's sending focus you on a signal. What I was trying to pray on when 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 now the that dog you know is now you know I still hate it. I hate it. So I just want to say I'm probably a bad dog owner. I hate when my dog licks me. I don't enjoy it. I really get grossed out when people allow uh, dogs after they've licked their huh, to lick their face and their nose and all that stuff. Don't enjoy it. Never enjoyed it. Not about it. Uh, and maybe that makes me a horrible human being. What say you? Do you? You're a dog person, an animal person. Do you like when a dog just licks you on the thigh? Uh, I don't love it, but I get what they're, they're, they're showing you affection. Yeah. And so uh, I'll allow it for a little bit. If it turns into like an obsessive compulsive thing, which a lot of dogs have for then anxiety, yeah. Yeah. then that that's no bueno. Um, as long as a dog respects your space, um, that I, I can usually deal with most dogs. There's only a couple of dogs that I do not like. One of them, a friend of mine does, has no boundaries, right. like 
up on like if you're sitting down up like not just near you like has to climb up it's there there's no and i was like i can't your dog has no boundaries i can't deal with it yeah uh but most dogs i'm i'm, I'm very very good pals with i get the thing um about the affection i think it makes sense. I think people should be open to it and, and just pay attention to your dog. You, I can't. You, you we start talked about this on, on our last podcast. I can't date someone that has a licky, no boundary dog. Yeah. Can't. I'm out. See you on the other side. <laughs> hey, it's Ron. I'm here with Mitch Weeks from Mitch.loans. And Mitch, we've seen interest rates rise rapidly here uh, over the past year, 18 months. In the industry, what are you thinking is going to happen going forward? So they're still projecting rates are going to drop here near the end of the summer, definitely within the next year. And that means that now is the time to buy. So interest rates are going to drop. As we've said, we will help with the refinance on the back end. But rates dropping could mean a big influx in demand. Now, right now, there's a lack of supply, a lack of inventory, because people aren't willing to sell and get out of their low rates. If you buy now, you can beat the rush later. Okay, and also then when the rates do drop, we can replace that rate with the new one. We sure can. Rate and replace. All right, he's Mitch at Mitch.loans. You can buy now, replace the rate later when it drops, and Mitch take care of your loan fees. It's Mitch.loans. All right, you guys, don't forget, if you need us, just reach out, run it on, sit down. Yeah, if you're thinking about real estate, whether that's buying, selling, investing, maybe you have a family member that's getting up in age, or uh, you just had a new baby in your life, you got a job transfer, there's a reason for you to change your housing situation, uh, get in touch with us, ron at ronandon.com, or you can go to our website, ronandonsitdown.com. We want to invite you to free a Zoom meeting, no obligation. We'll see if we can answer any questions you have, see if we'll be a good team, uh, expose you to some of the strategies that we use to get a great result in the real estate game here in the Pacific Northwest. Again, free of charge. Email me, ron at ronadon.com. Yeah. Hey, did you read this article? It talks about when we peak physically and also when we peak mentally, I'm not sure about emotionally, over the course of our lives. Uh, and I think this was in the Wall Street Journal. It's very interesting. It said, if you're, uh, as far as taking in a lot of facts and being able to assimilate a lot of information all at once, they say we peak out in our late teens, which I thought was really interesting. But as far as your vocabulary goes, your vocabulary peaks out when you're somewhere in your late 50s to early 60s, six decades of life. Uh, they say if you're a chess player, you've probably played your best chess between the ages of 20 and 35. If you're a power lifter, uh, you're at your optimum performance level when you're about 35 years of age. And they say as far as being creative, though, it really changes. It depends upon your environment and the things that you're exposed to. And there are a lot of people sometimes that are creative, more creative later in life when they have explored, been curious, and, and find things that they really, uh, that they really care about, that they want to spend time with. I, for instance, have a friend who's a banker, and she's like, you know what? I don't want to be a banker. I'm good at a bank. I've been a banker. She's an amazing banker. And I'm like, well, what do you want to do? She's like, I want to be a therapist. I've always wanted to be a therapist, like a physical therapist. So while she's finishing up her banking career and she's in her 40s now, she's really focused on uh, this new career 
of becoming a therapist. And as far as age goes, I think this is really interesting too. Uh, age kind of fluctuates when we're at our best and when we're at our peak. But they say mentally, when we think about ourselves, even as we get older and, and even if we get to those points where we have longevity and we look back, a lot of times we still see ourselves. In fact, I was reading this article that a woman wrote the other day that that's in her 90s. Uh, I was reading some things that Jane Fonda has written, the way that she reflects and looks at herself. And they are both agreeing that they, they, they see themselves as kind of being 33, even later at life when they're in their 80s and 90s. So what's the you, Ron? Have, have you peaked as far as your curiosity? Have you peaked as far as your creativity? Have you peaked as, as far as your strength? And, and if you did, when did you? And if not, when are you going to? I think I probably have in terms of endurance. And so what I mean by that is when I was in my 20s, let's say, and we were starting out in our radio career, uh, if I had an audio project I had to work on, I could grind on that thing till late into the night because I knew it had to be done. I knew it was, it was important. And so I had a, a very long endurance, uh, when it came to projects that I was interested in. And so I could really put a lot of time into it and spend hours and hours and hours. Now I don't have that same kind of endurance. I think I still have some of the curiosity. But um, the endurance level is gone. So in that way, I peaked and haven't peaked. So I think I'm still pretty curious. Like I, I, I get into new things and explore new things pretty regularly uh, and try to keep my mind active in that way. But I, I, I like what you said, because like, for instance, there when you look at musicians, they do they they say most musicians will peak early in their career their masterworks are early in their career that's what was great with that there's a an audio book about Paul Simon where he continued to create great art after uh, other his contemporaries stopped making great art but then you'll look at someone like architects architects a lot of times go into their 50s and 60s if you look at a uh, frank geary or you look at santiago calatrava uh, if you look at frank lloyd wright they did incredibly creative projects uh in, in, well into their 50s and 60s even 70s and so i think it depends a lot of times on what your um what your vocation is i'd be curious to you on, on your physicality because i was thinking um back in the day when we were in our 20s, like I, I never got big in the way that you're more muscular, but I was a lot stronger than I am right now. I, I was never as strong as you were, but I, I felt like I was, the gap wasn't as wide. You know, I remember you bench pressing with the, you know, the 75 or 100, like you, you were bench pressing with 100 pound dumbbells. And at the time, I remember I could do 75 pound dumbbells. And I thought, oh, that was, I, I'm pretty close. Now I don't think I would be close at all. I bet your son can bench press more than I can. But uh, so that way I feel like I've receded. Um, and But you, someone that works out more consistently, do you feel like I know you did big dumbbells on your 55th birthday. Um, 55 is when I was 55. Can you, what, how close to your max I was talking to our buddy Wes Jones about this the other day. Like he bench pressed 400 three times on his 40th birthday. And he's like, there's no way I could push 400 today. Um, 
but he's like, that's not as important to me anymore. Like I don't need to be that strong. I can still bench press. I just, I'm not going for the big weights. Well, anymore. it's because a lot of Wes Jones is gone. Like I had, <laughs> I had lunch with him the other day. He's a great realtor that we know. And, and he, he started taking up running. So he's training. I guarantee you could go back to at his age and in his forties, he could, he could go back to 400 if he decided to lift and work and move and eat uh, the way that he did when he used to play football, when he played college football. So I, I think the difference is, and it's a really good question. I go into the gym and I see the guys that didn't evolve that still work out the same way that I used to, to work out the way I learned to work out with big, heavy weight. Uh, you read the newspaper before sets. Uh, and now what guys do or gals do is they're usually on their phone. Uh, it, it, and, and so they're doing very heavy weight. They're eating whatever they want to eat. They're, uh, their shed of their, called the, the shed, the shed of their stomach is way out past their tools. Uh, so there's that, there's that. If you don't evolve and you don't learn to eat differently and work out differently, because we know so much more now than we knew 30 or 40 years ago when I started working out, if, if, if you don't evolve, uh, then I think you can get at, to some point where it starts to hinder you. Because if all I did was just do bench press and cleans and squats and just a lot of big weight, but I didn't involve isometrics. Uh, if I didn't involve more movement, if I do a lot of my weightlifting now is supersetting. That's why I take my son and we will sit there and we will superset for people that don't know that. Uh, it means that when I go to the gym and I'm working on a piece of equipment, I have him work on another piece of equipment. And a lot of times when a, when a gym is very busy, they don't want you tying up two pieces of equipment. And so he ties up a piece. I tie up a piece. He does his workout or his set. I do mine. And then what we do is we switch. So let's say that I'm going to do some pull downs and let's say he's going to do something over on the Smith machine. He'll do a set on the Smith. I'll do my pull downs and then we will switch. I'll go work the Smith machine. He'll do the pull downs and we'll do that five times with two different exercises. Along with that, we, we, we now run, right? When I was younger, I wouldn't go in the gym. And the first thing I do is jump on a treadmill and run. And even in the running, I do the running a lot different now. Like I, I, I can probably run consistently faster than I ever could. And it's because I'm doing intervals all the way down to a six minute mile when I'm running. And so, and then along with that, a lot of the Pilates that I've learned just online, we do a lot of what I call groundwork. And so the last 15, 20 minutes of our workout is always doing is, is, and I wish someone who had taught me this when I was younger, but it's just, it's doing lots of stretching. It's doing lots of movement. Uh, and it's making sure that your body stays lubricated. So I really think for people physically, and we saw this in the race across America, you look at some of the people that race across America on a bicycle, some of the best times ever are by men and women that are in their 50s, 60s, and almost 70 years old when it comes to endurance. Because at that age, your endurance can actually be better uh, and you can stay focused longer on some of those things. So I think you just have to evolve. And, and for some of those guys that I see that are still just doing big weights, 
and they don't incorporate Pilates or stretching or groundwork, or they think that, you know, running on a treadmill or lots of, lots of good information now about walking, fasting, eating, fueling. Um, I think you can have a great life on the other side of 50, uh, as long as you pay attention to it every day. So. And I agree. That's some, some good stuff there. I'm, I'm doing a lot more reading on longevity. I just got a Sanjay Gupta book. He wrote the chasing life. Uh, so that's interesting. The book we have with Dr. Peter Atiyah. Um, I, I like books by doctors <laughs> as opposed yeah. to just a blogger, uh, to give you a little more sound medical advice. The, the important thing is, and I always tell my friends this when we get together and we do something as a group and, 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 and we don't cuss a lot on this podcast, but I'm going to say this. We stand in a circle. We talk about what hurts. And then we just say to ourselves, shit's going to hurt. Let's go. And then you go. Because you just get at an age where inflammation and everything else, your shit's going to hurt a little bit. And, and what you can't do is allow that to become an excuse to stop, right? And so you see this happen a lot. And we see this happen with our parents. It started, they had a fall. They needed a knee replacement, and then everything just fell in on itself from there. Like, I'm really proud of your dad because your your dad had a medical issue, and for most people at your father's age, those medical issues would just fall in on each other, and that would be bad. That, it just I, I think of my, my mother's husband who passed away, and at the point he passed away, he had nine different things going on because they all just – it all just kind of imploded. Because he stopped working out, he stopped wor- walking, he stopped uh, moving, he stopped paying attention to his diet. He just kind of gave up. And your dad has fought. And even if that means him getting out in the pool and doing aerobics with water stuff, it's like I'm very, very impressed by that uh, because he, he has literally fought for his great life. Uh, and I th- know things aren't perfect, but but he's yeah, he's done of, an incredible thing. A lot of credit to my mom as well for you know being a, a good partner with that. But I appreciate that. Yeah. Hey, you guys, thanks for listening to this episode of the Ron and Don Show. If you need us, just reach out. Yeah, we got a website. It's ronanddonsitdown.com. There's a lot of free resources there if you're thinking about real estate. And then let's meet up. It's low stakes. We'll uh, have a sit down. Talk about your life, your goals, see if we can be of assistance. That's what Don and I love to do is to help people get to a better place, a new stage in their life. And so if you need a helping hand in that regard, uh, your life has been changed and real estate is a part of that, uh, get, in, get in touch with me, Ron at ronanddon.com. Yeah. All right, you guys, head up, shoulders back. We'll see you next time. And don't forget, coming up Friday, it's a real estate only edition of the Ron and Don Show. It's one segment. And we go a little deeper, maybe on some of the other stuff that we've been talking about, that we've been learning as brokers. Ron is a managing broker. And if you're an investor, you're thinking about buying and selling, we are here to help. Also, if you need one of our playbooks to buy or sell, we're happy to send that to you as well. It's up at ronanddonsitdown.com. As I said, head up, shoulders back. We'll see you next time. You're listening to Ron and Don. Only on the Ron and Don Radio Network. Now keep your head up and your shoulders back and keep blowing that trumpet and we'll see you next time. Only. 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 On the Ron Don Radio Network.